The following is a production of Art Trap Productions and is made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also brought to you by Doctor Who Podshock, the premier international and oldest Doctor Who podcast. Check it out at podshock.net. The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. With Dave Cooper, Graham Sheridan, and myself, Louis Trapani. What's your name? Angelo Colasanto. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, my Italian isn't so. Uh, she's saying there is only one bed. Io dormirò per terra. I said I'll sleep on the floor. I like New York. What happened to your eye? I was born with it. It's me. I'm the same man. I saw you. I saw you get shot. I got better. You got shot in the head. You came back for me. You don't know whether to hit me or to kiss me, do you? Come on. You can try both. We can show you. It's a miracle. A miracle? I want to see. Do it again. Tony, prova con la pistola. How much is the butcher asking? 10,000. Not too much for something with so much potential. And we don't him together. A partnership. Tell me another one. I've said enough. No, go on, tell me. Just tell me about your life, all the things that you've never said. How many children did you have, Jack? I've lived a lot of lifetimes, Gwen. I can't tell you everything. A lot of lifetimes is a consolation, isn't it? Is it? When you've had more lives than anyone. It's not enough. I don't want to die. I know. And as for you, you better pray that death comes back to this planet by the time I'm finished with you. So tell us who you are before I let her loose. I don't see that anything's changed. You're still coming with me. Why would I do that? You'll want to come with me. Because I can take you to the one man who knows how the miracle began. Who's that? Angelo. Angelo Colasanto. He's waiting for you, Jack. 
He's been waiting for such a very long time. Well, welcome to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Once again, we are back. We're back and we're reviewing Torchwood Miracle Day. We're reviewing two episodes this time around because of last week was Hurricane Irene visiting, well, at least the New York area where I am, not for Graham or Dave, who are across the big pond there. We're safe from Hurricane Irene, but we had postponed the show. So uh, we're doing two episodes that we're reviewing today to catch up. And we're catching up to BBC transmission schedule. So we are reviewing, first we are reviewing episode seven, Immortal Sins, and episode eight after that, which is the end of the road. Let me introduce Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Great. Good to be here. Yes, uh, I'm really getting into Torchwood now and uh, really feel as though the, uh, the pace is stepping up. And this is an exciting one to be talking about. Yes. And... Graham, Graham Sheridan is back, so welcome back, Graham. Hello, and oh, I'm so glad that they stopped disrailing this so much after episode 5, episode 6, and we're back on track where we should be. Well, yeah, I, I think, well, well, first of all, let's do our traditional spoiler alert. Obviously, you wouldn't be listening to this if you haven't seen these episodes, but uh, just for... <laughs> Just for giggles, here we go. Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 Well, okay, so anything after this point is spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen Immortal Sins, and, and I should say Episode 7 and Episode 8, because unfortunately on the transmitted episodes, they don't have the titles, so you may not know what Immortal Sins you know, what episode that is and what episode the end of the road is. It's quite annoying. I just, I wish they would include the show titles, the episode titles in each episode, but be that as it may. So it's episode seven and eight of Torchwood Miracle Day that we're reviewing. Let's start off with the Mortal Sins. It's a very different episode. It's written by Jane Espison and directed by Gwyneth Horder Payton. And you heard in that clip, Nana Visitor, who you may recognize from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, she also was, um, she also had a, um, she played a guest in one episode, a guest starring um, part in one of the new Battlestar Galacticas, but she's most recognized for her, she was a, um, one of the lead characters in uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And I'm forgetting her character's name, but she played a, Card- Nana Cardassian, um, Oh my god, I'm so rusty with Deep Space Nine. Bajoran, yeah. Uh, You sounded a bit muffled there, uh, uh, Graham. Graham's sounding a little muffled. He's he's speaking from a muffler. You're not encased inside a car that's been in a crusher, have you? No, I, I'm still encased inside that block of concrete that Captain Jack got encased in, in the last series. Uh, I figured maybe the family's put a silencer on you. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, completely lost it. Um, yeah, Major Kira was the character. Yes, thank you. Later became Colonel Kira. It's been so long since I've seen uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, so I'm a little rusty. <laughs> Tom Price is back as PC Andy, 
in this episode, though most of this episode doesn't take place in current day, um, you know, Torchwood Miracle Day. It's a, a mostly a flashback episode to New York City, 1927. And uh, apparently in 1927, um, things weren't as as colorful back then it was everything became sepia tone <laughs> i think it was just a visual clue to bring you know to so that because they in this story they were going back and forth between current day and, and 1927 and 1928 so i guess that was just a, a visual way of letting the audience know when you were we were back in time by kind of uh the colors were desaturated and they were sepia tone um not all the time but some of the scenes Oh, it gave a very good look to it. It's oh, yeah. certainly mm-hmm. uh, keyed it together. And um, it had this very sort of um, Godfather or... Um, mm-hmm. the, what was the other one? Once not... Um, the, other, the, the other one that talks about the families where it goes back. Um, Gray, uh, Robert was talking about it, I'm sure... Uh, Robert Curry King. Um, yeah, I'm not up on all the all the on all the mafia films, but there. Yeah. The Godfather, yeah. A Few Good Men. Um, I don't know. There, there, there's been a there's been a many, but uh, the Godfather is the one that I've seen. The, the, those three films or four films, there are whatever they are. I think everyone forgets about the third one. It's so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, but it's, the point is, it's that um, when it goes back to the young time uh, when he was actually making his mark, this had a, a very good feel about it. And um, well, it's it's I a, for one. Go I'm on. sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say for I for one, I thought the style of this episode was uh, really excellent, um, but it, it does seem to have divided quite a lot of the fans. Uh, Jane Esperson, as you said, was the uh, the main writer of this, and on the BBC TV blog, she's she, also one of the producers of the show. I just, yeah. just as a note, right? Yes, she did a, a, a blog writing about it, and uh, there's a uh, two polar viewpoints on this. Is one that this is a bit indulgent. This episode, it's basically Captain Jack enjoying the episode, and we don't know why we need all this, uh, you know. Um, sexual side to it and why they go off and it's gone off at a tangent but then there's lots of other people that will say no this is actually the key episode and I agree with them this is the key episode of the whole story so far because it is this sort of spurned lover type of thing of this I can't pronounce the guy's name Angelo yeah well, I, yeah. I I agree. It is. It's a key element, but it, it's it's not the only key, but it plays a significant part. I mean, without it, th- this you wouldn't be able to tell the tell the story. And I don't think the relationship was indulgent at all. I don't think it was sidetracked. I think you needed to tell that. Uh, unlike the was it episode three or four? I don't remember. There was a scene where. Or maybe it might have been two. No, it wasn't. Two was on the plane. So uh, somewhere, three or four, where Jack um, meets someone in the bar and there's a there's really like a there's a sexual encounter, which really didn't need. I mean, it wasn't really crucial to the storytelling. It was just I mean, you didn't have to see everything. It was just um, no. um, not that I objected. Well, it just didn't, course, it just didn't UK, need it. You didn't. Yeah. OK. In the UK version but, didn't actually see as much of that but this here this I think was done tastefully I think it was done um, 
in a way that you needed to do it, you know, to kind of tell the story. You know, it, it's just one of those things that we come to episode seven and also now we get introduced to this character, Angelo, that we had no references to beforehand, you know, so it's um, similar to uh, <laughs> to Mel's and Doctor Who, where all of a sudden, you know, we needed to, uh, to, to in order to tell the story, we needed to invent a new character and insert them in the past. And I think that's what they've done here with uh, with Angelo. But well, it, the thing is, as well, it, it works yeah. with this. It works with this with uh, Captain Jack because he has had such a long history. Yeah. He can't sure. be expected to remember, like he says to Glenn, you know, which, in it, which of his past misdemeanors is the one that's come back to haunt him. Uh, but it, I, I thought it explained an awful lot. I mean, when they keep talking about, um, uh, you know, the Miracle Day and so on, well, they were talking uh, when. when they're finding out that down in the butchers that Jack can not be killed. You know, they're calling that a miracle. And um, um, they even use the word gift again in, in this episode. So I thought it was excellent stylistically. Uh, I realised that and I, I will have the caveat that I am a person that doesn't particularly like sex in the sci-fi, for want of a better word. And I'm not talking about Barbarella type stuff. I'm talking about... Um, oh. Mixing mixing genres up, you know. What I'm, I'm not really a person. I, I mean, I find it difficult sometimes to to watch these films that are sort of comedy thrillers because I don't know whether I'm watching a comedy or a thriller. You know what I mean? So uh, it's not the fact that any of these things are distasteful. It's 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 whether a lot of people think when I'm tuning in for science fiction, uh, I'm tuning in for it. I think there's also an awful lot of people who. I've got into the habit of letting younger children watch Torchwood. Maybe they watch it first or whatever. And, uh, and one or two things has happened. Either they've been watching it with a younger person in the house and, they've, and that's led to embarrassment, or um, they've let them watch earlier episodes. And how do you say to a 13-year-old you know, or whatever, you know, you can watch episodes one to five, but you're not watching six and eight, but you can watch nine. You know, it, it's so difficult. And that's why usually in the UK, certainly, the two elements have been divorced. Um, but I think here it's so key because this man has dedicated his life. He's fought, um, you know, well, this, that's moving on to the next episode. But or, or this is the key episode, I would think. And I thought it was excellently done. And there's lots of little pointers and things that we can mention during the course of this little podcast. Well, I thought it was a good change of pace as well because we've been we've had very heavy episodes, you know, very you know, we had the death of Vera, we had um, you know, it, it seemed like every episode was a very heavy, you know, and then the, even after the death of Vera, we had the the um the last episode the middlemen before this, we had um um oh, what's her face? Uh the blonde um Drummond, uh, Esther having a, Esther. a and going at it with with Colin, um, whatever his last name now is, uh, you know, that, that, that slimy guy and, you know, and they've been very heavy episodes. So I thought, well, okay, but this is a nice change of pace, you know, though this got heavy at the end too. I mean, when you had mentioned the butcher scene later on, so things got kind of grim later on in this story, but it, at least it was a, 
and it also brought science fiction back into the series, you know, where it's been devoid mostly of science fiction up until now. Now, with this episode and, and the episode that follows that we'll talk about later, science fiction is once again, you know, entered into. I mean, we had like the SETI, they look like Star Trek SETI eels, those, those, uh, yeah. e- those eels that deposit eggs in people's heads and makes them go insane is very similar to the SETI eels of Star Trek that goes in the ear and makes them go insane as well. So there's sci-fi elements. The tricks, yeah, and wasn't the trickster reference? Yes, well. there was the um, the tricks the the tricksters brigade was mentioned. Yeah. So also the Doctor himself was mentioned. Jack speaks of the Doctor for the, this is the first real Doctor Who reference. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of a you know a flip comment saying, "Oh well, you know when they first go into the to the Fycor." not building but um hangar or whatever where their supplies are kept the warehouse the warehouse you know he had said oh it's bigger on the inside but this is the first direct you know mention of the doctor and and um and making a reference to his companions so there's the definite tie into doctor who right there I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm being careful not to talk over Graham because i know his oh, audio God. is not Graham brilliant. did you want to chime in i'm sorry i didn't i don't mean to yeah, keep trying to chime in, but it seems to go under. Yeah, they said it's a key, very much a key um, episode. Also a key episode for the introduction properly of the families. We've had hints and all that, but it was a proper introduction of the three families uh, to make up the uh, triangle. And then we get an idea where this triangle symbol comes from that's on the, uh, it's been on the telephone yeah. and, and other, other uh, devices that we've seen in the past. So uh, it's been it's very important. Um, this was for me the saving episode. Had it turned out differently and was more like the previous two episodes, this would have been the point that others switched off torture completely. Luckily, it was a, a great storyline. It been a while since we had a, um, a Jack's love interest put um, up to the four that is actually. Uh, meant anything to Jack since, uh, since the whole Ianto thing and uh, uh, it's going to make a lot of uh, Ianto fangirls um, yeah <laughs> I mean I hadn't even under the, under the think collar. of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but don't forget this guy came first uh, Angelo and it's you know it's a good story and it's you know it's it's, it's sort of fairly believable in, in certain ways obviously and it's uh, it's early days of Torchwood for Jack as well, so... Um, it's yeah, because he is working for Torchwood in this story. You know, he was sent here to to uh, intercept those eels, or whatever they are. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, coming across the Mafia, and the Mafia are hiding for some obscure reason. Um, you know, before things like the FBI um, came to light... Um, but I just want to uh, say the um, we have Mr. Boyo and Willis go in the room and chat. And uh, Mr. Boyo uh, says, "I watched the USA version, or the States version, uh, right through, and can't see any problem with the sexual scenes in it at all. It was tasteful and part of Jack's life story, which is fair enough. And to this point, um, also within that week, um, I think it's probably Doctor Who stroke pod." Uh, Doctor Who stroke Torchwood's uh, most um, disliked newspaper, almost, uh, the Daily Mail, because they like um, writing 
stuff like this. Um, but they did mention, that's how I got the whole information, that the BBC actually had 500 uh, complaints uh, about this episode and it was taken down from the actual original um, cut that went out in stars. So. Mm. Were they complaining well, about they were complaining about the sex? I mean, as far as what the, to the point that Dave was mentioning, I can understand Dave's point of view as far as you know maybe children watching it. But I think Torchwood has proven itself to be an adult series. So if 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 you're letting children watching it, you know, with you, maybe well, you, you shouldn't really. Yeah, I think I think the point is this: it's this age of. I mean, I'm not suggesting that children should watch it, but there'll be a lot of parents who will think that it's suitable for a 13-year-old to watch and maybe not some episodes. Just to quote, and I've just put a link in there. Uh, this is the BBC blogs.tv, Torchwood Miracle Day. And, uh, I, I won't say who these people are, but let me just give you two examples of this uh, opposing view. Um, uh, one says, um, and this is about part seven, I was thoroughly enjoying Miracle Day series until you gave all, all, over almost a third of part seven to satisfy John's sexual delights. There is no relevance to the script to see full naked males cavorting around the set. A great series ruined. This is answered immediately by somebody saying, this is utter nonsense. Uh, Jack and Angelo's affair setup is the initial event that led to Miracle Day. Therefore, it is the plot point that has the most relevance to the story. It is the start of the entire thing. Uh, Angelo's outing of Jack as an immortal alerted the three families to the fact that, uh, and that was good, outing him not as gay but as an immortal, uh, to the fact that the um, immortality was possible. It brought Jack to their attention and gave them samples of his blood and caused them to form their alliance. But the actual best thing about uh, this blog, you need to go, because uh, when Jane replies to some of the things, the first thing she says is, um, thank you, Dave AC. So, I mean, it's, re it's worth reading just for that comment. <laughs> I'm, I'm going there oh, now. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, yeah, I mean, it's a fair comment. Um, the fact for me is... Um, it's a quality, to be honest, um, which is missing from a lot of other shows. Um, the, the fact is that a lot of the British public would rather keep the sort of things like homosexuality down to them having a quick kiss on the screen and nothing else. But in films and in other TVs, we see heterosexual pairs um, getting down doing the business just like, like uh, Captain Jack and Angelo were. And to be quite honest, for the equality. But so, this part was a love story. It wasn't like, like yeah. Lewis said, it wasn't the, the, the sort of uh, Jack railing against his, his... He was suddenly feeling mortal and feeling um, vulnerable and he was trying to sort of... Well, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he was trying to reassert himself, yeah. I suppose, where yeah. this was, you know... I mean, one of the things that Jack says, doesn't he, when he waits for him outside the prison, he says he it, it came back for him, didn't he? Mm -hmm. uh, which is something he'd never done before, he said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it took a shine to him. Uh, it's, 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 it's brilliantly done. Uh, I think most of the complaints are really just it's the usual sort of tea party uh, nonsense that if it's not down to their exact rules and uh, ways of life that they dictate, then it's bad. And I don't agree with that. Um, I'm from basically him. Maybe a bit too liberal for some, but it's 
it's it's that sort of thing that I was glad it was there. It's a quality um, shown that there are other relationships outside of heterosexuality, and you know, yeah, you know, it could have been worse. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, well, if there was anything to be shocked about, it yeah. was the uh, the scenes of uh, torture, wasn't it? I mean. Mm. Well, that, that's the whole I mean, thing. People don't don't object to you know torture or violence, but when it comes to sex, yeah. that's when people sometimes will have a problem. It's when, when people are expressing love for each other. <laughs> that's when people have when when they're expressing hatred and and violence, they have no problems with that. But when it comes to expressing love, some people have problems. It yeah, boggles exactly. the mind. But I, as I said before, I don't think the the sexual scenes here were explicit or were gross. You know, I don't think. I mean, it was done tastefully, and it was all part of the storytelling as well. Because uh, we, you know, we learn things about both characters during both. You know, during during um, you know, the, the, the um, these scenes. So. I, I think do they do play a part in the storytelling and uh, not of just this story, but of of how um, Miracle Day is going to unfold, you know. And um, it, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. To the point that if it had happened like this, then uh, Angelo wouldn't have been totally creeped out that Jack is alive and to ready to collect him after he comes out of prison. And 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 such you know things like that. Uh, and Angelo basically puts a knife through his chest. Jack comes back alive, and he starts flipping out because he thinks he's the devil. And it wouldn't have come to the part that the families would then come in and uh, start collecting on sort of in a hazy mode uh, sort of way of things. Uh, Jack's not aware that his blood's been collected. It's great, you know. It's, it's great. What I would say is that I mean, one of the things is it's it's the guilt uh, that Angelo has, uh, as um, Jack says every time that they're together, he, he sort of goes through his confession routine. It's the fact that um, it, in that day, it was that more uh, seen to be a more what's the word I can put? How can I say it? More of a sideline lifestyle. The, the, it, it had to be done undercover. It was uh, something that... So he, he both loved Jack, but he hated Jack for giving him these feelings. Um, he felt rejected by Jack. He felt betrayed by him. He was frightened of him. All these things are what made the depth of his feeling. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that was what exposed Jack to being, um, you know, shown for what he was. And... Um, Everything plays on that. Uh, the other thing about this episode that was the fact that the things that were missing, we didn't see, if I'm correct, we didn't see anything of Oswald Danes or Jilly. Julie Kissinger. No. Didn't, Julie Kissinger in this one. Yeah, the, the, they were completely um, out of it. Yeah, that was also the good thing there. Is that, as Dave said beforehand, the uh, the fact that he's actually he's got an alien. Oh, there's an alien in the episode as well. Which is a brilliant, uh, brilliant piece. Well, you know, leading up to this, we had no idea who was behind FICOR. And, you know, early on, there was some references that it could be, you know, something because the technology on Earth didn't exist. So obviously it had to be something from outside, something extraterrestrial. And we, um, well, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. In the next episode, we, we learned that 
alien technology is being used to some extent. So, but in, in here we, you know, we realize that the families are actually, you know, sort of like mafia families. And initially it seems like, oh, is this, you know, is it all going to come down to a, a cross lover, you know, when, when we see this, but we learn that, that, and again, we learn more about it in the next episode that it's not, it's it's really not Angelo. It's it's these families that make a deal in this episode that we see them crossing their their arms well, and making that triangle. Yeah, and that again is uh, because of their their attitude to I forget what the the nickname is they have for gay men. I can't remember what they call them, but some Italian word for it. It was because yeah. of that he was excluded. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the other things is like um, uh, Angelo sees Jack uses Vortex Manipulator, so he, he has you know more to see that that Jack is a man out of his time. Um, we also know that when when he cuts Jack down and uh, helps him escape, you know he doesn't take the, the the manipulator off him. So there's lots. Of, in fact, it really does bear watching two or three times. I must admit, you know, I, I, when I first watched it, I thought. Well, do they need to be going to this love story quite uh, so much? But when you see that the whole thing pivots on it, then it's absolutely integral, I suppose, to the whole plot, where where you could argue that um, Torchwood has usually just thrown it in almost because they could do, you know, because they were going out after the 9 o'clock watershed. Well, if we could show somebody's backside, let's do it. Where here, it did at least seem pertinent to to the whole plot uh, mm-hmm. and and obviously we had the other key element didn't we the the fact that um we have this very recognizable eye of um the angelo, young man, angelo yeah mm-hmm. um which of course is i don't think we even it's not a spoiler because we're doing it but i mean it's fairly self-evident that that was going to be used as a way you'd be able to recognize him as an older person sometime in the future yeah well at the end of this episode that's when uh the the nana visitor character which i believe is olivia her name is um we see her at the final meeting there you know we we're finally getting to you know to the bottom of this or the top of this if you will you know who who's behind this whole miracle day and so we're, we're getting more clues and um and and so she says that angelo you know, and this is current day. Obviously, we were assuming you've seen this episode, so it's current day. Obviously, now, and um, and she says that Angelo is waiting for him. And the first thing that went through my mind was that, yeah, he must be very old now because this is 1927, 1928, and he seemed to be um, probably in his either you know his early 30s, I would say, or somewhere in there. Well, I think they were left it ambiguous. The idea was that. Presumably, uh, he was either still young and it was him that was doing all this, or he just managed to survive. I mean, yeah, we we don't know at the end of this ep- episode wh- which is his, but we know. Uh, I mean, the silly thing is, and I, I quite like the uh, the Eve Miles point where she said, uh, sorry, the Gwen Cooper point, where she said, "You kidnapped my child for this," you know, because he basically Jack would have gone anyway, w- willingly to see this man. Mm-hmm. And well, and that, that's a good point. Uh, as I mentioned in our Dr. Hupanchak live episode that we recorded earlier today, we were reviewing Let's Kill Hitler, and uh, which is, um, the, you know, the first episode of the second half of the 2011 series of Dr. Who. And 
I had watched that episode and this one back to back one last week during, in fact, during Hurricane Irene. And uh, interesting comparison there between Gwen Cooper and Amy Pond, where Gwen was about to, you know, was ready to to uh, kill Jack if it meant saving her daughter. Yet Amy Pond seemed to be completely, you know, oblivious to her infant daughter after, she, you know, and I'm not going to get into Dr. Hugh, but it, it just seems a interesting comparison between Gwen Cooper and her relationship with her baby with Amy Pond and her relationship with her baby is a quite of a contrast there in, in, in styles. Mm. Just an observation there. So if, if, if you do watch Doctor Who and if you if if you know the episode I'm talking about there in the very beginning, she's concerned about the baby. And as she was in the previous episode, um, a good man goes to war and then it seems to then she's once she and without giving things away, once she she realizes that um, she, she encounter well, you know, Rivers. Oh, I'm going to get too much into this anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean if you've seen it. <laughs> If you didn't, if you haven't seen it yet, watch it, and then you'll know what I mean. <laughs> Without yeah, getting into I mean, it, th- th- yeah. I mean, this this uh, particular episode as well. Before we move on, was I mean, this was. Um, I've got a feeling that you know the ten episode. I, I'm almost feeling as though I would have rather Torchwood just concertinaed this somewhat because although this episode was lovely to watch and um, you know it had a. Um, there wasn't a lot of jumping about, as as we all know that have watched the early ones. You know, we're watching one set of characters and then it suddenly jumps to the other, and then you're back to Rex in one thing, then it's back to Esther somewhere else. This was nice to have a nice long flow, a bit more filmic in its mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Um, but when I, when I was watching it, I also felt as though you know it's taken us to episode seven to get to this point. I'm not saying that they could have done it in five episodes. But I, I really do feel as though um, I don't know whether they could, I don't know they could have gone with seven or eight episodes. Um, but I, I've got a feeling that ten has just been slightly too long. I, I agree. I think ten episodes is, is, is yeah. ten. I think ten is too long. Uh, and and without getting into the the next episode, I I just you know I, I, well. Uh, by the end of the next episode, I'm I'm just like, oh well, it's only two more episodes to go. Thing, you know, and I'm almost almost anxious to have it. And just because this story is just being so prolonged, and you know, I'm anxious to see the last two because I want to see where it all goes. But it's just it just seems like it's just been a prolonged story. And I think they could have done this in maybe seven episodes, or you know, instead of ten, yeah, six or seven, yeah, yeah. six. Or seven, yeah, six. Well, I was going to say five, but uh, I know last time I said five, Dave said that, <laughs> that it wouldn't well, be enough to get into the characters. So, well, the <laughs> thing is, yeah, I was going to say, I could sit down with these uh, episodes, and I probably myself, uh, with the help of a certain fruit symbol, a uh, creative machine, Apple, basically strip these. Mm, try not to advertise, but uh, strip these things down uh, to. To the point where they actually work properly, and I'd probably come out with cross probably about six episodes maximum. Uh, yeah. Considered that that uh, the middlemen, you could probably just jump in its entirety, and you'd miss absolutely nothing. The the thing is that I think if this is still under you know still made as a UK program, I'm not saying it could be made any better, but I think what they would have done is the an hour episode would have been an hour episode. We've got to remember that these episodes. 
the actual running time of them is what? 50, oh, 55 minutes, actually. Surprised at that. How come they've, in the state, I mean, we're doing this as, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, uh, so I don't know what time slot they actually aired in the uh, the States and, and other countries. I, I'm surprised, actually, now I see that they're 55 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was thinking they would be more like 51 or 2 minutes in an hour slot, thinking that if they'd actually been the full hour, uh, obviously BBC doesn't have adverts, so if you, you could have a certainly a 58-minute show within an hour, uh, certainly six would have done it. But um, I mean, stars is paid TV anyway, so they get it's, it's seen in one shot in its entirety on stars and states. So ah um, right. And the adverts, that, that five minutes that's missing from the program is the, the adverts between the, the two bits of uh, programming usually. So yeah, uh, it's stars doesn't have any adverts, so and and that's what it's being made for. So it's you know they they probably have some you know to fill in those last five minutes. They probably have promos for their other shows, you know, before the next start of the hour. Right, right. Oh, we don't Roman. Any, any any other things that we want to say about this before we move on to the next episode? Just the underlying bits there, the the other story that was going on of, of the car journey itself, of Gwen and Jack going to oh, the yeah. destination where they're told to go uh, to meet this mysterious people, and then you get at the end of the episode the bit where um, you see this is this is why I like Esther. Everybody complains about Esther. I love Esther because there's little bits of it that, that click at the right moments. And this is one of her clicky moments where she clicks and says, thinks there's, there's something not quite right there. Mm. So she looks up the I, uh, the uh, the tracking of the I-5 and then realises that I-5 um, contact lenses have been hacked. And uh, manages to find out where it came from so um, that they can, at the at the end, uh, basically get control of the situation and, uh, and the like. So I thought that was... So you had two plot lines going at the same time. So you had the Jack's, uh, sort of Jack's love story there interweaving with the what's happening uh, in real time or modern time and uh, they both arrive at the end point uh, of uh, Olivia in the desert saying you want to come with me I've been sent by my grandfather Angelo mm. I mean it, it was good that there was the scene as you say in the car where uh, Gwen and Jack are making it perfectly plain to one another that Jack now is mortal is more determined than ever that, to survive and that she will do anything, you know, anything to Jack uh, just to have her child back in her arms again. All in all, I, the only other thing I'd say about this, and then I'm done on this one, is that um, anybody who gave up on Torchwood episode five or whatever, uh, you know, make it to episode seven. I think that will then give you the impetus to go and watch it to the end. Well, I can understand now why John Berman, as you said previously, Dave, why John yeah. Berman had said that at um, San Diego Comic-Con that this was, I think, his favorite episode. So, I mean, it really yeah. does fill out his character. And up until now, it's sort of been Rex's show, you know, and, you know, Captain Jack was sort of a sideline character for a lot of the series. So it was good to see Captain Jack in the forefront again. Mm-hmm. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a, um, a quick break and then we'll come back and review the second episode, episode eight, well, episode eight, but the second episode that we are reviewing, which is um, The End of the Road. 
But before I do that, I want to remind everyone about Audible, which is Audible is the leading provider of the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, including science fiction and romance. So you get more. So you can mix those two genres up. Dave, you can mix up your science fiction and romance together, or you can keep them separate. There's also <laughs> comedy, business, thrillers. Uh, Audible has it all. So, and Audible titles play on your iPhones, your Kindles, Androids, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you listeners of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. And even if you feel that, well, it's not a service that for you, you can still keep your free audiobook. So to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi for your free audiobook. And We'd like to make a recommendation or a referral, as always, and this one is Torchwood Asylum, which is by Anita Sullivan, and it's, um, I believe it's sort of a, 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 if I'm not mistaken, it's a, sort of like a radio drama. It's, it has Eve Miles, John Barrowman, Greneth David Lloyd, you know, plays Yanto in it, and here's a little sampling from Asylum, which is Torchwood Asylum. <laughs> Let us sit up. Take it from here. No. You keep your backside on the pavement and your hands where I can see them. You tell me what happened. Caught it shoplifting. She picked out a coat, put it on, walked out. Bold as brass. When I confronted her, she pulled a gun. I disarmed her. Where's the weapon? It's here. This isn't a firearm. It's more like a redugger. Where'd you get this in, eh? Hmm? What is your name? Did you steal that coat? Right. Play it that way if you like. I'm arresting you on suspicion of robbery. You don't have to say anything. And it may harm your defense if you don't mention when questioned something that you later rely on in court. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. In other words, it helps if you tell me your side of the story. If you have one. Noting that the suspect said nothing. Come on, Trouble, get on your feet. We're going for a little ride in a police car. Triple 20. Triple 20 twice. Oh, Jack, that's very distracting. Going for 180. Jack. See, that's the thing about knife throwing. You need a live subject to sharpen your concentration. Mm, I'm busy. With what? Rift databases. Oh, you stupid, stupid machine. Leave that. Come and be my beautiful assistant. Morning, all. Yato! Quiet night. Oh. oh. The only monster here is Gwen. Gwen Cooper. Oh, hello. Triple and a very 20. good morning to you, too. Mm-hmm. What's that? Okay. 180. A laser. Okay, um, I'm on my way. On your way where? The station. Andy's got somebody in custody he thinks we should meet. 
So, how old are you? If you're 17 or under, we need to get you an appropriate adult. Mum, big sister, teacher, do you want to make a phone call? School. I, I remember a girl hostiling me. Who's your mum? Ghosty. I says nothing. Hey, Gorgazla, cat at your tongue? Oh, that's a little sampling there. I love the the audio drama versions. Of, you know, when at Audible, you have a selection of different books that are either read by the author or read by someone that's um, reading the author's work, you know, narrating the book. And then there are these audio dramas, which are, in this case, it's a, I believe it was a BBC radio drama. It makes great listening when it's put together as a, you know, with sound effects and you don't have just one voice, you have multiple voices. And I'm assuming that's um, Tom Price is um, is there as PC Andy, so he's in it as well. And again, this can be your selection. Just go to audibletrial.com British sci-fi. I, I should say audible.com. I'm sorry. I should say audibletrial.com slash British sci-fi. No, sli- no hyphen in the sci-fi. And you can get your free audio book there. And you don't have to pick this one. You can pick whatever you like. This is um, one sample, so choose what you like there. Okay, so we're going to review now the next episode in the Torchwood Miracle Day series, which is End of the Road. He talked about you all the time, Jack. This immortal man in old New York. He never forgot. Telling me the whole world got screwed because two gay guys had a hissy fit? Rex, step back in the cave. He's still alive. He's still young. He's not young. My grandfather waited all this time to live forever. And his wish came true. Too late. What's wrong with him? At his age, just about everything. It's him. So you put a gun to my daughter's head for what, for this? So you get your revenge on Jack? We weren't trying to hurt you. Do you mean you were protecting me? Angelo didn't cause the miracle. No. The story says that it started with three men, each representing a different family. And when you were being murdered over and over again, these three men came to witness your resurrection. They formed an alliance to purchase the power of resurrection. And when you escaped, the three families swore that They'd find the gift again. What were their names? The Abel March family, the Costardane family, and the Fry. In 1998, we intercepted a message. It was just one word, blessing. Esther. I think there's trouble. We are arresting all of you for violations of the Miracle Security Act. This is the same as treason now, folks. And I want a word with Rex. This is going to have to be quick. Shapiro's arriving any minute. Right, right, I get it. You have to dispose of me before the rest of the CIA comes in. The families don't just pay me. They own me. Who did that? Transmitting from a contact lens camera. Yeah. I needed to get back inside, which meant laying a trap for you. (laughs) It's over, freaking. God help you. The families aren't kind to people who let them down. I did a lot of good. Sure. All I'm going to be remembered for is this. I wish I could say no now. What are you doing? It's all about the family in the end. They said that they would get mine. No, 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 no! (laughs) 
This is uh, directed by the same director that directed the previous episode, Gwyneth Horder Payton, and it's written by Ryan Scott, and it's his story, and it's written by Ryan Scott and Jane Esperson again, with uh, returning guest cast members, Nina Visitor, Wayne Knight, and John Delancey, who I've been waiting for, because <laughs> I, I knew he was in Tortured Miracle Day, but it's um, took up and t- took until episode eight before he appeared. I should also make a note, another Star Trek veteran, John Delancey, who played Q in Star Trek The Next Generation. And Teddy Sears returned again as the blue-eyed gentleman that's working for the family, is watching over Jilly Kissinger. Yeah. Complete changes pace in a way, but we, I do feel as though the, you know, the information is flowing much quicker and faster now. We, we, we had a, a bit of a roller coaster here because we go from, as we say, at the end of the last one, thinking, well, you know, we we now know who's behind it. Then we find out that um, he's not, but he's been watching Jack. But he, we also find out that he must have, uh, you know, benefited from all the information that Jack gave him. Very rich man, obviously, and uh, maybe raided uh, some of the defunct Torchwood uh, yeah. uh, stuff. The, the head, the hub that after it was destroyed, you know, I think Captain Jack referred to that he, he had. Those uh those panels that we discover in this episode were, um in the, were were buried in that hub you know and I guess when the hub was destroyed, Angelo had the financial means to have people go there and and recover things. It's making me wonder as well, you know, with 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 people who are familiar with the earlier Torchwood, when there's more than one Captain Jack, wonder if the gift they found is a another Captain Jack. <laughs> and that's not spoilerish. I'm just just come to my mind mm. now. Well, it, I really was enjoying that the the Olivia character, the Nana visitor character playing Olivia. It's uh, you know n- not as much as um as as Vera, but it was still a shame that we lost her in this episode because I, I thought she was interesting because she wasn't she had no love for Captain Jack and she was sort of she was basically sort of protecting him for respect and honor of her grandfather, but she really didn't have anything, you know, to do with him. Yeah. She's keeping herself under control. She's basically uh, more angry at Jack uh, than anything else. Mm-hmm. Because despite everything that, yes, uh, Angela did love her grandmother, uh, that uh, his undying love would be for Jack. And I think she resents that, or seems to come across that she resents that uh, a lot. Well, I, I think the fact that Angela probably devoted his life to tracking and watching Jack, she probably feels that, you know, he, he's wasted so much of his time that he could have maybe spent with his family, whatever. So I think that's, you know, and, and as you said, probably, you know, that competition with his grandmother, with her grandmother, that rival, you know, that somewhat unrequired unrequired love that was still there you know that uh, she feels interfe- may have interfered with the relationship with the, her grandmother maybe and with there's also sort of a bit there really, with uh I forgot the knight's character freaking Mr. which is a strange yeah. name to name a character I don't know I have to say but yeah uh, the fact that he's so under pressure to uh, that he actually puts himself up there, quite literally, as that happens, like, oh look, there goes three category ones. Uh, the first thing I thought about that it was kind of weird. And here comes 
Don Delancey and doesn't he just own the thing when he comes in? Yeah, he. Um, I really love what I, I love John Devan, John Delancey in this role. I, I'm not sure if I fully trust the character, but I, I think he's doing an incredible, marvelous job with it. Yeah, he's basically what to get things onto the back of the plate and narrow because he's not liking it where things are turning out. Uh, his only dog, as he sees it, is for the fact that he can smoke as much as he wants because uh, even if he gets cancer, he's not going to die. No, no, no. I think I think the point was that, as as um, was said in the thing, that um, before Miracle Day, cancer cells were immortal uh, because they self-replicate. But if there's been this switcheroo, uh, one of the secrets might be that cancer is now not immortal, uh, and cancer cells can be killed. You know, don't have to be just cut out; they can be killed easily. So he's saying that you can smoke and do that. But they did give him a lot of good lines. Yeah, I mean, he really came in and owned this. Mm, uh, I agree. Some of the other, some of the performances that were also in there, um, they just lame. Strange enough, you know, they were good performances, and nobody can say they were bad performances. It's just he came in and owned it, uh, or pawned it, if you want to put it into sort of internet terms, uh, PW in it. So, yeah, it's great and. There's my little joke for the room there. If if John Gila- if John Delancey was to give you a good hint, would that be Q's tip? <laughs> Q tips. Um, <laughs> I did feel when he initially came on screen, not sh- not shocked. That's the wrong word. But you know, I was noticing how much he'd aged because, of course, with with the you know, in fact, Star Trek: Next Generation is currently having a run here in the UK on one of the minor channels and uh, you know suddenly you see an actor and five minutes ago you think well he looked 20 years younger five minutes ago you know what I mean so I, he, I can't get over that what? that Star Trek Next yeah. Generation is going to be uh, it's close to a quarter of a century old already I mean it didn't what that started in, the first episode went out in, what 1987 so we're just like it's yeah. 24 years now that it's yeah. just it, yeah to me, it still seems like the most current Star Trek series, but it's not. It's, wow, it's just, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the box set here uh, called the Q Continuum, and it's still on video on VHS. So, you know, looking back, and just like Dave's got it, we've got it over here in Germany as well. Mm. Um, I've been doing yeah. shows, but uh, they're mainly stuck in season one at the moment. So, yeah. It completely. So I, I didn't realize that Freakin would be back in this story, but until when I saw the opening credits and I saw Wayne Knight listed, it sort of was a spoiler for me. I said, oh, Freakin is back. But what can you do? Yeah. They have to put the credits in the, in the beginning. Yeah, I, I, but again, just going back to John Delancey, I mean, we all get old and you lose some of your vim and vigor, as it were. But I almost feel as though, you know, 10 years ago, he would have knocked that part even more out of the park. But it did have some lovely lines with it. We also get a new character category, don't we? We get the... Uh, category uh, zero. Oz, yes. Uh, where the tro- Now, this is very controversial, really. I mean, it's quite a surprising thing because basically what they're saying is they're now going to be judge and jury over people's moral uh, code and stance. And, uh, you know, category zero is people that, you know, they think... Well, alive, he, had, not he ought to be allowed. To he be had alive. already been um, 
sentenced to death. And it, I mean, and it doesn't Tortured Miracle Day open with him on the execution table yeah. and it, and he doesn't die. So I, I think it goes to that. But what's interesting is that Oswald in this, just when he's discovering about Category Zero, is uh, he seems to be trying to change his ways, you know, and he seems to be antsy to kind of move on. And, you know, and, and he didn't want to, you know, I, I think he feels that he's he has matured and has moved past his past, if that makes any sense. And he he wants a new beginning for himself. And he feels that with this miracle day and this platform that he's been given had has given that to him and now his past is haunting him i i think that's interesting and he also said he, he says quote i haven't found them yet you know so i'm assuming he's looking for the for the families as well because i'm assuming them is those that are behind it so you know that that leads us to believe that he's he hasn't come face to face with the people behind miracle day as of yet you know uh, we thought maybe, you know, they chose him as a spokesperson and, and maybe when he was at FICOR, uh, you know, when Julie Kissinger brought him there, he, there seemed to be some sort of meeting that he was in. And I just assumed he was privy to those that were behind it, but I guess not. I guess there were more middlemen. Yeah, but I certainly wouldn't like to be a woman on this series. I mean, we had another thing where the, the blue-eyed man turns up again. And um, two things we find out. First of all, we found out that they've got the agent... Uh, next to uh, that young girl mm-hmm. who, yeah. who seems to suddenly turn up to be her aide is actually uh, a plant that they put in a CIA. To get near to yeah. Julie. Yeah, um, and she gets dispatched mm-hmm. uh, by this assassin, uh, blue-eyed man. But then we also learn, <clears throat> or I think it's certainly hinted at, that uh, one of the women is it at Langley, wherever the the basis of these secret services. The, the CIA, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. CIA. The, the blonde woman uh, that, that mm-hmm. uh, talks with um, Esther, um, she is actually... Working um, for the family. Working for the family. Yeah. Olivia, the Nana Visitor character, said, where do you hide if you need to hide? And she says, you hide in plain sight. So that's what, uh, you know, these people are hiding, but they're hiding among us, you know, and work, you know, you don't know who to trust. That's why even the John Delancey character, even though I, I, I like it very much, I like the, his character very much, but, I, you know, I, I'm still don't know if I can fully trust him yet. Uh, it's like uh, the one I was watching a old uh, Basil Rathbone, uh Sherlock Holmes uh, yesterday, in fact, I think it was, and it's, that's the point that the sort of seems. Uh, comes to me there's the one sentence that's in that is, is the fact is uh, how do you hide anything by keeping it in open view and it's probably that these these families are in open view all the time uh, and have been but nobody realizes who they are because they are not the people who the families originally were mm-hmm. going by the names they originally known as um, but uh, it just has a little odd thought there that they need the cycle symbol you only need to put a triangle around that, and you've got the Deathly Hallows from 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 Harry Potter, which is kind of weird. Um, just wondering if that's another one of these things that uh, JNT wants to get in the uh, JNT. RTD, this season, but RTD wants to get in there. It just seems a little odd. Uh, something odd about that that symbol. Uh, wonder if they have to buy what's the meaning of it. But, um, you know, this actual episode, End of the Road, you could mistake from being sort of like another 
middle of the road sort of thing, but there's actually lots of different points and hints to where this could or should be going in this episode, and 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 you know, things that um, yeah, okay, the the uh, another flying plate in the floor underneath um, uh, Angelo's bed there, so that he could actually die, uh, and then. Jack's shock because he actually died and he shouldn't have been able to uh, and then Esther's sort of um, how do you describe it her um, Esther's giveaway her, her diligence to her work you know and, and uncovering it you know she even apologizes to Jack and, so, and you know she had to say what she had discovered you know yeah. I've got the her, her commitment I've got this germ in my head at the moment which is useless to everybody else <laughs> Uh, but she um, wants to get. She, she really just wants to give the game away, so that uh, that maybe she could get this to the end quickly and uh, get the, her phone with her sister fixed. Because uh, I think that that's, was well, yeah episode as well. That's a good point uh, because that's that's what's pushing her to get this over with. Because she wants to save her her sister and her sister's children because they're volunteering themselves as category ones and. That, that. Oh, so her sister, her sister volunteers herself as a category one, but I don't see where her sister has the right to volunteer. I, I know her, her own children's I know. category one, but the sheer fact that she's in a mental institution. So for me, there's a plot hole uh, that, that I was want to mention that really, it's about the only bit that really nagged me in the whole entire episode. Really, uh, the fact that you've got somebody's obviously mentally distressed and she's volunteering her children uh, that she was causing problems for. Well, unless she's just saying that and she thinks it, but maybe they wouldn't really do it. Who knows? Yeah. Well, the other little weird thing was that Jack assumed that Angelo was still young and I couldn't understand why would he make that assumption. I mean, I at the end of the last episode, I even said to myself, oh, Angelo must be really old now. So um, he, he seemed to be kind of surprised that he's aged. And, you know, why? this is before he knew that he had any torture technology or anything like that. So it just seemed a little out of place that he was, seemed surprised that he was still, you know, well, that uh, he wasn't. I, I disagree in, in one sense. I, 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 I was, was like, I would have been like Jack and thought... He was young because I'm thinking. Well, if he's if he's aged naturally, he's going to be over a hundred. So the chances are he's either, you know, kept himself young or he's dead. The fact that he's alive would, to me, point out that he's found some secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess. Mean, to me, it also seemed that way that I was was kind of half expecting that you turn up and there is, is um, Angelo looking exactly the way he did. Um, well, the other disappointing part is that we, we, he does, you know, this episode comes and goes and he dies and he never has a chance to say a word. You know, there's like no communication. It's only Jack doing a monologue to him. He doesn't he's unable to respond. So it's a shame that, you know, we didn't get to hear from him and maybe his thoughts, you know, after all these years. And you know, unless uh, I mean, was it coincidental that he died at that point? I mean, could it have been that um, his his um, machinery was set that once uh, you know uh, Jack's voice was picked up, it would sort of switch itself off? In other words, he'd known that Jack had found him. 
That or Jack was wearing River Song's lipstick when he kissed him. <laughs> no, that, was, no. that was the point. Yeah, that was the weird point I thought that you know kissed him goodbye and uh, I think that was the point where he died. Um, I was just wondering if he was quite literally just hanging on long enough for that to happen, and it's just sort of sense of romantic writing really uh, from, uh, for that sort of thing to be played out like it was. Uh, it seemed like that to me anyway. I'm at a point where I, I would say that um, these two episodes, although completely different, they do string together nicely. We do have a feeling as though the plot is moving forward. I'm getting a feeling that excitement is building up. I'm getting a feeling that, <clears throat> you know, we're going to finally get some resolution. I'm still not sure how these, um, these, this family, because but let's basically think that they... They represented, um, you know, cr the criminal elements from the 1920s. So you wonder how they would have the expertise to do much about it. Angelo, to me, was much more of a likely candidate uh, once we'd heard about him to be the, uh, you know, the instigator of all this. We now find out that he was more of an observer. We we might find out that he's left information for Jack. Maybe somewhere on the building they have a a horde of uh, torchwood tech that is that Jack can make use of um but how many we've got two more episodes haven't we this is this mm -hmm. is episode eight. 8 yeah we got two more right and it's, what's well, interesting well, about the families is if we go back to last episode when we actually do see the three and in, in, I think it's either 1920s I think it's 1928 by that time and in the late 1920s and in, in unfortunately in the US and and within mafia families I don't think they would be so um, inclusive with uh, there the, the was a black gentleman there, which I felt uh, it just seemed like uh, from that time period is a little out of place considering, you know, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, the tone the, the and Italian uh, ones would, would, they would have, <clears throat> they would see them as rivals. But I mean, I suppose that was supposed to be uh, a sign of it's an unholy alliance. That's the only way. They would come together. Although it seems hard to to think that they had to come together because they couldn't. Each of them couldn't raise ten thousand dollars on their own. Yeah, uh, I would have thought they could have easily raised that with mm. drug money, or numbers money, or whatever it was they made their money with. And it was prohibition, I think, was even going on at that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's interesting that these two episodes we see science fiction back into the series because for. The first six episodes, it had very little to do in in the first, you know, uh, six episodes of Miracle Day. But now, it as much as I welcome it, it it seems a little out of place when you compare it to the first six episodes. Um, it's just an observation. Um, my memory's going, and it's late at night. Do we play the last of those two? I'm gonna I'm gonna play the last one right now. We're gonna play the last clip, and if anyone would like to chime in and. Um, with their views, you can call into the show, and the number to call is, one second, is 724-444-744, uh, and the call ID is 110825, so it's 110825, and we'd like to hear from you. So um, put yourself in the queue if you're listening, and if you're on TalkShoe, you can go to TalkShoe.com and you can get a free account and put yourself in the queue and we know we want to hear from you. So, uh, but to that end, let's play the last clip and then we'll see if, you, and we'll get after the, after we play the last clip, we'll both give our ratings for both episodes and hear what you have to say. Can't believe you were watching me. 
Maybe you said hello. Did you see him? Did you see Yanto? You'd have liked him. Or maybe not. Angelo died right in front of me. Okay, just think about it, Jack. He can't die. Listen to me. This man's dead. What are you doing? Maybe it's the floor. What do you mean? The only strange thing with this room is the floor. I... Don't say another word. Jack? Does somebody want to tell me what's going on between you three? I think there's something under the floor. You can't touch it. What the hell is it? Some sort of transmitter. And what does it do? Mostly proves my theory that immortality is caused by some kind of morphic field. Wait a minute. You know what's causing the miracle? We could have a drink. Actually, no. If you don't mind, I think I'd like to go. If you want to be a changed man, you're running out of time. The way I heard it, you've been classified a category zero. What's category zero, and why does my whore know about it? Oswald, did you really think it would never come to an end? Your freedom. There's an emergency mandate being passed through Congress defining a new category zero. Meaning people who have earned themselves a place in the ovens for moral reasons. What you had was a wonderful delay, and now it's time for that adventure to come to an end. And Rick, put your hands on the panel. No one outside the field can hear us. Just listen to me. I knew this stuff the second I saw it. Yes, it's alien technology. There's only one course of action left now. You have to get me out of here. Are you crazy? This is the alpha plate. Without it, this is just a bunch of metal. You've got to get me and the plate away from this house. Shawnee, can you give us a second? You're being watched by a CIA field agent. Me? Ridiculous. And secondly, how would you react to a promotion? Go. Rex, he saw me. Someone's going to have to go with him. Get in there. Look after. I don't know what to do. And once again, thank you, Dave, for assembling those clips that you just heard from episode eight, The End of the Road. And um, I'm going to give that one, uh, I guess, three out of five, tartar, uh, not Tartar Scrolls, but Weevils. And Immortal Sins, the episode before that, four out of five, which is probably the, I don't know, might be the highest rated. <laughs> Torchwood Miracle Day episode. So um, this one was maybe three, three and a half, but I, I still like Immortal Sins a little bit better. Dave? Graham? Oh, Graham? Okay, right. Okay. I was waiting for Dave, basically. Uh, well, I'll go then. Uh, yes, I think I'm pretty much in accord with you there, Lewis. I'd say a good four, certainly for episode seven. But I, I like this one. Uh, I would give this one three and a half. But having said that, we've made so much progress in these two episodes and yet uh, as you heard right I mean I know it's a bit clipped off at the end there but um, don't forget we also have this episode ending with Captain Jack wounded uh, mm-hmm. Rex That's true. possibly going to be uh, under suspicion again for getting Captain Jack off Gwen is being extradited out of the country and Esther uh, is driving on a road to nowhere, doesn't know where to go, doesn't know what to do. So, uh, you know, you almost feel as all this ground we've made up, the, 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 the uh, Torchwood is still not on top of the whole problem, which, of course, it's going to mean that we quite literally are going to need the two full episodes to, to turn this whole around. So 
hopefully uh, we've we've got um, a lot to happen in the next uh, two episodes, and there's no doubt about it. They'll make or break it. Uh, these two episodes were really good, strong. What's the word? Uh, the, the real backbone of the episode, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since uh, after um, you know we'd had the. Uh, the Vera's death, and I was feeling quite depressed about it. We had all the, I mean, some really dark passages we've gone through. Yeah. Uh, so we really do need to feel as though um, we're going to have some uh, payback now. So I would say yes, four for uh, the previous one, and a book a good three and a half for this one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Gra- uh, yeah, Graham. Yeah. So yes. So I think we're all going to agree. Immortal Sins, definitely a four. And I'm going to have to push it up a little bit with uh, End of the Road. But one thing one thing only, it was a three and a half, but because of John Delancey's performance, it's a four. And uh, that gets a four on its own. Uh, so it's two great episodes, brought everything up to where it should have been. And it does seem to me like the, uh, the entire series... Uh, that we've seen so far are made up of two parters basically it's five two parts um, series uh, a series of five two parters rather than ten episodes so that's just the way it seems to come across to me anyway they, they, it's I guess it's even possible to say that they because I know Dave started off this back with episodes one and two saying if you combine those two yeah. That would have maybe worked better. Maybe you have a point here, Graham, that there's a series of two-parters. Maybe if you took these ten episodes and made them five two-part episodes, or, or not even two parts, just combine them into, um, you know, maybe extend them from 50 minutes to 100 minutes each and, and do it that way. It might have worked better. I don't know. I think they could have worked them in 80 minutes, actually, Lewis. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, they could have done... Uh, 80 or 80, so that they got showed maybe shown in a two hour slot on an advert, a channel with adverts um, mm-hmm. and in the UK uh, fitted in uh, 80 minutes but having said that I mean to me this Torchwood uh, has earned its place, uh, a lot of people thought it was a mistake from the start to even attempt to follow on from Children of Earth and I don't think it's reached those dizzy heights but it's been, a, you know, an honourable mention, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and again, a lot of people are judging uh, and have touched and had, I'm sorry, and have judged Torchwood Miracle Day without seeing all of Torchwood Miracle Day. So, uh, again, we're trying to reserve our overall judgment until we've seen mm. all 10 episodes. So, and, and really, that's what it comes down to. So, it's it'd be different if, if maybe this was an episodic format where it was telling an overall story but each episode was a story in itself and maybe you you weren't feeling that but you can't really judge the whole story without seeing the whole story yeah i mean the fact that they've assembled such a, a star stud, studied uh, cast i mean they've, yeah. they've not sort of penny pinched mm-hmm. on it it doesn't feel i mean I, 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 we well probably graham and myself don't often see a lot of the stuff that goes on American TV and then disappears without a trace. There's some fabulous TV, uh, some of the best TV in the world on American TV, but uh, you have the feeling that for every one that is uh, a gem, you know, eight or nine just, uh, well, there's probably a dozen that don't even make it to screen, and then there's another seven or eight that disappear as a pilot 
episode and they're never made to a series. So when you think about it, the you know the the ninety percent of most stuff that makes it onto the screen, um, it was just that Children of Earth has been such a high bar. We may get up to it. It certainly hasn't carried that high bar for the whole of the eight episodes, but it's showing signs that it could do. Yeah, well, you know, for the first time, I'm sort of at the edge of my seat because now I want to find out what's, you know, how this is all going to come about, how this is all going to end. And, you know, so I'm kind of looking forward to the last two episodes because it's been such a long journey. And now, I, you know, I'm anxious to see where this all leads. All right. Well, I guess that's going to wrap things up here. We'll be back next week. And I'm assuming at the same time, I, I, I don't know if I should maybe move it up or change the time, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, well, um, uh, go ahead. I would think that this, I would think this one could come an hour earlier in as much as presumably next week. We're not doing double episodes on both. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll see about that. I don't, I don't maybe I should move. I, I was even thinking this weekend was kind of hard because I had to rewatch you know, two of each, you know, for each show. So um, next week that won't be the case. So maybe even if I put Pachak back on its, like, like an earlier, but like before Cultum maybe, and then put this back at four, maybe we might have a better turnout. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, speaking of Cultum, I should let everyone know you can find Cultum Collective, which has, uh, which is does review talk, um, Torchwood, as well as Hitchhiker, as well as I'm so confused now, as well as Doctor <laughs> Who, as well as other science fiction uh, cultum stuff at the Cultum Collective on Talkshoe. And Dave, you can let people know where they can find that and the and the um, the ID number for that. Yeah, the show ID is five four eight two one. We go out uh, on Sundays at two p.m. Uh, various science fiction. Uh, and fantasy and other genres we've gone into, basically cult television and films. But we're currently following the, uh, the our tracking series six, part two of Doctor Who. And uh, we have a blog at cultdom.com. And if you're on Twitter, we're at cultdom. Fantastic. And Graham has his shows as well, which is, uh, Graham, would you like to um, fill in people on where they can find you? Yes, well... Basically, uh, the second Doctor's podcast, which is on a little hiatus until I've had a bit of holiday. Anybody who knows me, I do more of those, I wouldn't say premiere um, parodies, but... Uh, it's premiere. Better known parodies of Doctor Who out there called Professor Howe, which has a new episode out as of last Sunday. Uh, it goes out once a month. This new episode, uh, I have two guest stars from our Doctor Who Podcasting Alliance, from the Staggering Stories, there's Adam J. Purcell. And for the Adventures in Time, Space and Music, we also have Dr. Philip Cerner. Basically, they're coming along and playing well, two parts there. And the title of this month is my parody on Love and Monsters, called Love and Mozart. <laughs> uh, I thought Love and Monsters... Uh, I thought Love and Monsters was a, a parody already. <laughs> uh, I had to, I had to take something that was so bad and actually turn it into something that it's probably actually worth listening to. <laughs> mm. So far, from everybody I've heard, uh, they love it. Fantastic. And both uh, both Dave's Colton Collective and and your two shows are also available via iTunes. So 
you can search for it there as well. And you heard us mention Doctor Who Pachak. We had just did a live show earlier today reviewing Let's Kill Hitler and uh, Night Terrors. And that was um, recorded on TalkShoe, and that should be coming out this week. If you go to Pachak.net, you'll find information on Doctor Who Pachak. So hopefully, um, if you if you enjoy Torchwood, I'm assuming you are already enjoying Doctor Who. If not, what are you waiting for? Check it out. So until next week, then I guess... Um, that's it. And thank you both. I really appreciate you both helping out. And um, so we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. You can send feedback to feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com. To support this podcast, please visit ArtTrap.com and click on the donate button. It's the only way we can bring you this show. Also, visit the shop there where you can buy your Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi swag, which includes shirts, mugs, and other sort of trinkets with the show's logo, and you'll be helping the show that way. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions. Please visit ArtTrap.com for more on this and other podcasts.